Who, what president was that said of? Lil? Well, he walks softly and carries a big stick. I don't remember myself. I think it was. It's a president. It's about a president. <gasps> Look at her. The woman who has everything. Uh, no, I just uh, I always have an eyeglass cleaner for her mm -hmm. because she drives me crazy cleaning them with the I paper towels. I forgot my glasses today, so no, it's all right. We're gonna I'm gonna believe for divine healing, right? Or I'm gonna do this a lot, going what the what does that say? Yeah. Oh, it's frustrating, Andrea, because I, I'm finding myself having to wear my glasses all the time at work and stuff, and I'm just like, what in the world? That came in designation for. Um, I had it last Sunday. Yeah. Well, thank, it's not just us. I mean, it's the church. People have designated. Uh -huh. yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, you got to hear this one. So this is great. So we've got some. Yeah. That's good. Well, if we can get the blabber mouth girls at the back to stop talking. Look at it. <laughs> I want to know when I say blabbermouth girls why y'all identified that way. <laughs> I know, that's right. Theodore Roosevelt. Okay, we got it. Okay, who wants to testify about yesterday? Which one? Okay, come on. Yeah, you got to tell. Okay. Woo. Okay, so y'all know, first of all, that the park and rec was trying to shut us down. They're trying to make all these things, requirements, blah, 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 blah. Then God says, whatever, right? So he's making the path. So these people that we have connected with through the, uh, the, the church, Soul Church, which is, is for the homeless in Dallas, downtown Dallas. So we've connected with two of the people. And we went last weekend to go to their ministry that they do to feed the homeless in Tyler under the bridge. Amazing. We were just like, whoo. And so one of the gentlemen, is he, he gave it an amazing, the spirit of God fell upon his message during and I was just like yeah you kind of come over here with us you got to come over here with us you know so they came yesterday and they came with three trailers one was a huge was just like a horse trailer sound system big speakers doors open up you know what I mean and all the cordless headsets microphones music blaring and this was the it's the best part because then the next trailer is you go in one side and there's just two racks top and bottom across the wall clothes shirts pants jackets brand new socks brand new underwear brand new shoes it is and then, and then, and then you go past that little doorway, and there's two stacked washers and dryers. They have a board outside to keep track of whose clothes it is. And then you go to the end of the trailer, and it's two showers. So not only were these people being fed, they were being ministered to, but they were being cleansed from the inside and the outside. And there was one gentleman that came out, and he, I mean, you could just—he said, "What did he tell you, Dolores?" This. But a brand new man and look and he was walking like a brand new man he was just walking around and he had pride he had he had that shame that he walked up to the event with was shut was shed off and because this is this was so good to me too because normally they come and they eat and they leave and we try to give a message at the busiest moment when we have the most people. But yesterday, because they had to pick out clothes and they got to wash clothes and take showers, they were there the whole time. The whole time, y'all. And they agreed. They said, you can't get rid of us. We're coming to every event. You're not getting. Well, it's not Soul Church. They don't. But they, they're part of, yeah, so it's, but they're, the whole, the whole thing, the shower trailers, the sound trailers, all that, they're coming, they said, you can't get rid of us, we're, we are with you, we are with you, and Tyler, the second and fourth Saturdays, well, we do ours the first and the third, so look, the Lord said, you want to be, you want to be in ministry, guess what, now you got, now you got ministry every Saturday. That is great, isn't it? <laughs> See? That's just, that's often, I, you know, this is a perfect example. How many times have I told you that God stages the conflict? So why do we, I said it Wednesday night, why do we have to struggle 
so we know how to win. See, they, there was a struggle, a conflict. You thought we're shut down. You thought this is it. So the struggle was the invitation for the win. And so you didn't give up. You struggled, you leaned into the struggle. And as a result of leaning into the struggle, you realize the victory. This is the same formula for whatever circumstance is going on in your life. Until you learn to lean into the struggle with a, with a opposite action than what the struggle is demanding. You'll never know how to win. That's why people are not winners. It's not because they can't win. It's because they've never actually operated in winning by moving into the struggle with faith in God's word and in his promises. That's right. And we're just going to believe, you know what? We're going to believe that God is going, that he's going to have a change of heart. And here's the reason why. Not because God can't provide the money to pay for the park and recreation. It's because those resources going there could be used somewhere else to accomplish other things. And so we're going to bind up the activity of Satan on that. Even if that man has to have a change of heart by force. Or by he can just he can submit, and I'm not saying anything bad happened to him. I'm saying that he's somebody over him is going to say, "Come on, stop this," you know. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Invite him to come to the event. Maybe that'll help. Let's pray. Let's pray this morning as we get started. Father, we thank you, Lord that you are so good, Lord God, and that you know, Father, every situation, God, before it even comes about. And Lord, I just pray that in this situation with, with Bibles and burgers, Lord God, and this man that's over this, has the authority. I pray, Lord God, even now that you begin softening his heart, Lord God. Visit him with revelation. Give him, Lord God, God, sympathy toward this, that he will back off of the legislation and the, all of the bureaucracy that would come down against this ministry, Lord. We bind every activity of Satan that wants to stop this, and we pray, Father, for that one, those homeless people, Lord God, that are out there, those that are living away from your covenant grace, Lord God. We know, Lord God, they're called to be a part of the body of Christ, and and. Some of them, Lord God, may do great things in the body, Lord God. And we pray that every obstacle that is blocking our reach to them and the unfolding of that gifting that is in their life, God, when we add Christ to their life, Lord, as, your, as the Lord and Savior, God, that that would be brought about and nothing would be able to block it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Open our ears today. Give us eyes to see and hearts to receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're going to go back to our theme scripture. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. Been working on memorization because we all work on memorization, right? May the God of peace sanctify you wholly, body, soul, and spirit. And may you be kept blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the one, this 24 hours gets me, and the one, who, it's not hard, and the one who called you is faithful, and he will do it. What? Sanctify you holy and keep you blameless, body or spirit. It's actually spirit, soul, and body. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. May the God of peace sanctify you wholly and may your spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who called you is faithful and he will do it. Now, as we look at this scripture and we talk about the body, soul, and the spirit, I want to first off, I want to talk about the fact that, that I want to just ask you this question. If I were to ask you, what is an evil spirit? What is an evil spirit? What would you say? Just 
something not of God, okay? Anything against God? What is an evil spirit? Okay. 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 So we're, he's he's going on the he's 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 leaning into the characteristics that generally accompany. But even more basic, what is an evil spirit? Biblically speaking, what is it? So, an evil spirit is a fallen being. A fallen being. Now, see, you know what I mean? Now, the fallen being, as we've said, it, it will tap on lust and all these different things and it exposes that and operates and that's the manifestation in a human's life of an evil spirit and so we think about darkness and the works of darkness but an evil spirit in just a biblical sense an evil spirit is a fallen being or hear this a disembodied spirit that's what a spirit means. It means without a body. Right? You, we, have, we have dominance and dominion in this earth realm because we have what? A body. You have a body. Your body was made from the earth. We know that from Genesis 2 and 7. It says, and God formed man out of what? Genesis 2 and 7. Out of the dust of the earth. So we imagine now we've just got a man made out of dust. Is he alive yet? But we, why is it important that, that God said he made man out of the dust of the earth? So you would know you're made from the earth. Well, what significance does that have? You're made from the earth, therefore you have to maintain your life from things from the earth, such as food water, air. You can't maintain your body without eating. That's why God said all the plants in the garden, all the trees in the garden are food for you. How many of you maintain your body through the use of food? All hands go up, right? Because that's, so you, food is from the earth, your body's from the earth. The two go together. The one nourishes and sustains the other. And in turn, your body actually stewards and sustains the planet. Right? It is. That's how, so we know the two go together. And so you get air, the atmosphere, water. You have all the. So everything about your body <clears throat> is sustained by the earth. You're like, well, Andrea, that's super simple and a no-brainer. But so it's going to get profound when we understand that. That's our body and that's how our body is maintained. So God formed man out of the dust of the earth. And now listen what he did next. And he breathed into him the breath of life. Now, breath is the same word in Hebrew, ruach, which is spirit. So, John 4, Jesus having a conversation with the woman at the well. I know I move fast through the scriptures, but you just have to write them down. John uh, John records Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well, and Jesus said... God is a spirit. What's a spirit? Has no body. Now that kind of freaks you out a little bit, doesn't it? It freaks you out because right I've just said here, you're like, wait a minute, God has a body. We can't. So a spirit doesn't have a body, guys. That's the very core definition of what a spirit is. Has no body. Right? So when Jesus said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So what do we have to have to worship God? Spirit. You already have a body. 
There are many people out here who are not worshipers of God, and they have a perfectly good body. And they receive their life from where? From that body. I just said it. The earth. That's how they're sustaining their life. This is not complex. Now, maybe you have never thought of it in these terms, but this will help us. And so then what we have then is that we have, we have then a body, and God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and now we have a spirit because God made him, has a, gave him another part, spirit, and he became a living Being or soul, nefesh in Hebrew. So what do we have there in those three ingredients? I just showed you. Man has a body, he has a spirit, and he has a soul. And the man in the middle is the soul. So isn't it funny that God made us in his image? Would you... How, what is God's image? Spirit. God the Father. God is triune. Y'all have heard of the Trinity, right? He's triune. What is man? Triune. Body, soul, and spirit. We're made in his image. We are just like God, one plus one plus one equals one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, it's one. He's one God. You, your body, soul, and spirit, I can't call you three people, can I? But we try to a lot. We're like, oh, I was in the flesh as though you parked your spirit on the curb and you got into another car and you just you got into another form of yourself and you're like, woo. It's not possible. Just like your body, soul, and spirit, it's one plus one plus one equals you're one being. I can't, I can't separate you out and you have a you operate over here for a while and you operate over here for a while. It's just what do we say when we mean that? It's just that your soul then. Whenever man died, did he die? Did he die naturally? No. If he did, if Adam died and Eve died naturally, then none of us are here. The fact that we're here means they didn't die naturally. They still continued to receive life from what? The earth. And they still had, in um, your soul, has, it's made of three parts, mind, will, and emotions. Your, your thinking, your choosing, your feeling. Your intellect, your mind. Your will, your choosing, your feeling, your emotions. Now, the thing that's interesting about the soul is that it can connect to the body and receive its pleasure and its gratification from the body. Let me just plug in something that's super easy for you on this. Let's say a person, the soul, see the man's spirit, it died in that it didn't cease to exist and man became two-part. Man's spirit died. Death, according to the Bible, is ceasing to communicate with one's environment. So if God, because of sin, is cut off from man, man still has a spiritual component to him. However, it's no longer in communication with God. That's why Jesus says, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. He said, I'm trying to communicate with you, but you've been walking around in your soul and your body, your flesh for so long, you no longer know how to actually receive communication from your spirit. So you have to be born again, and when you're born again, what is born again in you? Your spirit. Now you've got these three active parts working again, but you still have a choice to make. With my mind, do I connect with my soul? That's my soul. My soul? Do I connect with my spirit? Or do I connect with my body? Do I connect with my spirit? Or do I connect with my body? Do I receive information for my mind, will, and emotions through my spirit, born again, or with my body? See, that's your choice right there. But you've been doing this a long time. It's hard to do that. (laughs) Right? So we have here, now let's say a person, how does this work? Let's say a person, they've lived like this for so long. You know this very well. You know how to receive gratification through your body. Right? Let's say a person, they... um, how do I want to do this? Let's see, they, they feed their, they feed their, their man. 
See, I want you all to understand this soul has, can communicate either way, right? Let's say you reach out, <clears throat> and through the gate of your body, you, and I'm not picking on anything, but I've just got to use something bad or something that's harmful or it won't work. Say you smoke a cigarette, right? Now, cigarettes have an addictive component to them, right? It's called nicotine. It's an addictive component. Now, your body, you through your gateway of your body, you give your soul, your, your soul makes a choice to connect to your body to receive gratification. Do y'all think that people find pleasure in smoking cigarettes? Of course they do or they wouldn't do it. <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's, there's a pleasure so there. And so then... They, they, they reach out through their body and they satiate their soul through their physical body. They satiate their soul. But then what they're doing is that they are coming, they are, it has an effect on their body. Their actual body, there's nicotine releases dopamine in your body. Dopamine is a chemical in your brain. A person who smokes will tell you this. They can get the jitters. They have to have what? A fix of that nicotine. So they take a hit off that cigarette, and what it does, it's an actual chemical thing that's going on in your body. It's, it's releasing dopamine from your brain, and your brain, flood, the dopamine floods your body, and you go, ah. Yeah, that's what happens. It's dopamine. So they go, ah. What you've just done is you've created now, there's an agreement that's made, an agreement. So, but see... The problem is, is that in smoking, for instance, how many of you heard of the law of diminishing return? The law of diminishing return is that where it used to take one or two cigarettes to fix the problem, now it takes three or four or five or six, and now you're up to a pack or two a day, and you still have to have more. And so everything about you is connected. Everybody who walks around you, they know you smoke, then your clothes, your lungs, everything about your whole being because you've come into agreement with death and addiction. And you're using your body to satiate your soul through an addiction, through agreement. Works with alcohol, works with pornography, works with drugs, works with illicit relationships. You're using your body, works with food. I mean, I just chose, I think I just chose cigarettes just because, see, the difference is um, with like food, that's something we can't cut off, Right. You know what I mean? So it has a little, it has a different component to our life. But so I, I chose one that's not like something we have to have. You know what I mean? And so what happens is, is you form an agreement there with that. And so it's funny. Have you ever noticed that on cigarette packages that it tells you that's going to kill you, but it doesn't stop people from buying them? Because the agreement that's been made has been formed. They've made a covenant with death. And it's stronger than even the, so, so hitting knowledge you know it is, right? If you smoke, you know it's going to kill you, don't you? Scientifically, intellectually, you know it's going to bring you death, don't you? But you don't care. Why? Because you've, you're in a, you've made an agreement. You've forged an agreement that's stronger than the reality of the penalty of it. And so now you're not okay with it. You just will choose death because of the instant the gratification you receive from that. Same thing. It's the same. It's what you. It's what you release to get to get a fix, and you've done so by using your body. And so we know that uh, Romans six and sixteen says, "Whatever you submit yourselves to, you are its servants to obey." So that's just what it says. So what does that mean? Everything works on agreement and authority. So whatever you come into agreement with, you give it authority over your life. And so the d diminishing return is there with, in the case of the things of death, cigarettes or whatever, when you reach something through outside the body. See, the only place that you're designed to have life is where? So if you're... Soul, you sell that easily because we all live in the same world. If your soul can connect to your body and derive satisfaction, 
even if it's deadly satisfaction, and you don't care if it's deadly satisfaction because your bond with it can be so great that you're willing to sacrifice your body for that bond. When you go through the airport in the Middle East and in most places in Europe, the warning, the Surgeon General warning on the carton of cigarettes for their country, it's not like ours in tiny little writing on American packages. It is giant. It is giant. The whole package of carton of cigarette is covered in black and white letters. And it doesn't say the little, the little sweet kind of, a, kind of medical sounding stuff that we put on it. The, according to Surgeon General warnings, um, smoking cigarettes may Im impact your health negatively. Yeah, in, in um, the Middle East, it says this, huge letters on the package, smoking will kill you. I'm not kidding. Other places in the world, we're super soft. We're super soft on it. But see, my point being, my point being is this. Okay, cigarette companies are made to do this by law. And they do it and they don't care because they know the agreement that you make with death is stronger than your intellect. They know that. That's why they're, they. That's why they. They had. They spend. So they're caught. They're made to spend so many advertising dollars a year advertising against their own product because they know what you don't is that an agreement formed with this is stronger than your understanding. Yeah. And they know that they, they know that they can, once they get agree, that agreement forged, they can tell you how bad it is and you won't care. They can tell you, you can, feel, you can cough, you can gag, you can have COPD, you can have lung cancer. I knew a man who had his, what, you know, had the voice box removed and the little, you know? He had a hole here. He stuck his cigarette in the hole. People, I'm telling you, your soul is made to forge agreement with authority. Right? Oh, that's... That's... That's all I'm trying to do here. That's all, I'm, that's all I'm trying to do. So when Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Who knew three fingers could cause such an illustration? You'll not forget. I'm just going to go to Brian. I'm going to go, Brian. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Okay. So now I've made my point, right? Haven't I? I've made the point. I've, I've freaked Brian out. He's going to have to go to therapy. Okay, so what is priority in the body, soul, and spirit arrangement? Yeah, so we want the, the spirit, we want the spirit to lead, right? You want the spirit to lead. And where's that scripture? Romans 8, 4 through 9. I can read it to you. Romans 8, 4 through 9. He, being Jesus, he did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. Who know, so he's opening, so because, I won't hold my fingers up again, because, 
because, my finger's kind of getting a cramp too, that was really hard, I should have worked out a little bit more, um, because man from his soul side had died, there became a huge barrier between God and man, because man became sinful, and God is what? Holy. He's a holy God. And so his holiness won't allow our sinfulness in his presence. It can't. It would kill us. And see, God so loved the world that he gave his son so that he could remove the unholiness from man. Now, you see that in the garden. As soon as man sinned, he was taken and put outside the garden. And there was, a, there was two angels guarding the door. And in the, the word tells us why God did that. And, and, and unless that mankind in their sinful state were to eat from the tree of life. And what would happen? They would live forever in their sinful condition. So see, we often think, so God put man out because if he were to make his way to that tree and eat from that tr fruit in his sinful condition, he would galvanize his sinful condition for there would be absolutely no way to turn it back. So they closed the door so man wouldn't go into the garden and to eat from that fruit. And then began the whole trajectory of Jesus coming. And Isaiah 55 tells us so perfectly. It says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So how high is the heaven from the earth? Well, from the biblical mindset, it was an impassable distance. Because they didn't have planes. They didn't have spaceships. So for us modern-minded people, it's not impossible any longer to get into the heavens, is it? But to get to the heaven of the heavens, which is God's throne, that's quite impossible. But that's what we're supposed to see from the biblical understanding. They would see trying to gain access into the, the stars, where the stars are at. They had no concept of how that would be possible, right? So it would be, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So what has just been set up? What has the author just said there, the prophet? He's just said it's impossible for man to get to God. It's impossible. My ways, my thoughts, your ways, your thoughts. The two between creates an impossible gulf. It's impossible. So... But with God, just like Jesus told, the rich, or told his disciples after he told the rich young ruler that he had to actually, it would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. What did he say? He said, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so the disciples said, that's impossible. Who can get to heaven? Who can, who can do, who, how can a camel go through the eye of a needle? That's impossible. How can, how can heaven... And earth be connected. It's impossible. And Jesus turned to his disciples, and what did he say? With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Now, he was the God-man talking to them. So God had put a way on the earth for the impossible to become possible, for the way to be made open, for heaven and earth to be connected, an impossible distance or gulf made by man's sin to be bridged through the side of heaven, not through the side of man. Because there's nothing that man could do to bridge the gulf. Because the law came along and told us that. The law showed us without any question that God is holy and man is not. And no matter how hard man tries to build something to get to the holiness of God through his duty, he can never actually ascend. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But if we just stop there, we might as well shut the book and go home because we're left without anything. But how many of you know conjunction, unction, what's your function? Hooking up words and phrases and clauses, right? But we're fixing to hook up. Oh, it's going to turn the narrative. We've got to, oh, no. But it's not a full stop. It's a but. But as the rain and the snow fall from heaven to the earth, so all of a sudden we've got hope. There's something that starts in heaven and comes to the earth. Rain and snow come from heaven and they start in heaven and come to the earth. He says, just like the rain and snow start in, <coughs> excuse me, start in heaven and come to the earth, so shall my word be. What is Jesus known as? The word of God. And the word became flesh 
and tabernacled among us. And we beheld him, the glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. And to all who receive him, to all who believe in his name, to them he gives the right to become the sons of God. Who were born not after the will of the flesh nor the will of man, but born by the Spirit. Spirit of God. You mean I just got my third part opened up and born again. And if any man is in Christ, he is what? What kind of new creation? If I had red hair before I got saved, I'm going to have red hair after unless I get to a bottle of L'Oreal. Right? I can change that. If I have, I want to say blue eyes, but I can change that too now. You know? But if, I mean, you know what I mean? If who you were before you got saved was who you were after, you didn't get some new passport, new driver's license. You're not like, you didn't, you didn't get saved five foot ten, and when you got born again, you're five foot one. I mean, I'd love to wear a size six shoe, but it's just not going to happen on this side of heaven. It's already set. It takes me two number fives to equal one of mine. You know, number ten. Yeah, so that's you had this. So that's not the part of you that's new, is it? But there is a part of you that's new. It's your spirit. But the problem is, is that you only know how to operate like this. You can only agree with one thing. You can't. No man can serve two masters. Either he will love the one and hate the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. So, but what is the component of our, of our person in our soul, of our mind, will, and emotions? What is the component of us that has the power, the apparatus part of us that has the power to make the shift from body and receiving pleasure from our body and connected to earthly things? Or now can make the shift to our spirit man? What's the component of our soul? By the renewing of your mind. So your mind is your, the place, that's what we've talked about. That's where your thoughts come in. That's where you process. That's the, and you use your will to make decisions. But as your, because that's what the Bible says, be you not transformed, but be, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you renew, how do we renew our mind? Last week we talked about renewing our strength, changing our strength. So, so we, huh? Yeah, through the Word, right? That's why, why do you think I want you all to read the Bible in 90 days? Not because it's going to be like some feather in your cap. We do know how to binge. We're already prepared for that, aren't we? How many of you have ever watched a series shamefully fast? Come on, you know I'm talking about where you, you binged it. You know what I mean? You're like... You're like, and the and the, the the sign came up on your TV says, "Are you still watching?" <laughs> Mind your own business. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, when me and Mike, it was years after it already came out. We were a little late to the party, and Lost came out. You know, with Lost, the series Lost. We just happened upon it one day, and we started watching it. We were literally bleary-eyed at 3 in the morning going, you want to watch another one? (laughs) That's ridiculous. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You've ever binged a series? So see, you just, here's the fact. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, 16 that, that Christ would, you know, would cleanse her by the washing of the water, the bride of Christ, through the word. So the word has a washing effect, right? Now, I don't know about you, but the, yeah, if you, if you don't get in the water, you don't get washed, right? Watch this. That's not enough. Mm-hmm. Right there. That's probably not enough. Okay. Word of the day. Come on, that's a lie. Verse of the day. 
I made Sherry thirsty. <laughs> She's like, I got to Yeah. Okay, right here. Look. Verse of the day. How many of you bathe in that much water? I'm just, it's the word. If I poured this over my head right now, all it would do is just make a mess in my hair in one spot. My hair could probably overcome it. You know what I mean? If I poured this on my shirt, I mean, I'm going to be uncomfortable for a second, but I'm going to be ready to go to church in just a second. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? not enough water to do anything, is it? So when I want y'all, when I'm asking y'all to read the Bible in 90 days, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to get you, I'm trying to get you in a large enough quantity of water to make a difference. I'm trying to wash something. I mean, how many of you wash your clothes in that much water? Do they get clean if you tried? No. You know, you know nothing gets clean in a small amount of water, don't you? How many of you are like me when you grew up, <clears throat> you went to your granny's house and she had the gigantic antique bathtub, but she was so frugal she would only let you put enough water in it that filled the front part. You know, it sloped. It was one of those kind. It was big, clawfoot tub, beautiful. And, you know, and she would only let me. Y'all have, have an old house. Y'all have a clawfoot tub? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's great to fill that thing up this far with water, isn't it? And just get in. The, you don't look at her. She's like, no. <laughs> she's like, we have to pay for that water. <laughs> My grandmother, she, she would just let me fill. She would, it was like I'd run the water, and she'd hear me. And I'd hear, she'd say, turn off the water. It's enough. I'm like. I don't even, there's not even water all the way to the back of the tub yet. And I had to get in that little amount of water because if I turned it on, I tried to turn it on, but she had ears like a bat, the old woman. If I tried to turn on that water a little bit, just get a little bit more in there, turn that water off and wash your hair. In what? The toilet? Yeah. And I'm in there trying to wash my whole body plus my hair in this little bit of water. You can't even get, you can't do it, can you? So how, why is it that we think we're going to actually get enough of the word in us to wash us and renew us by having such trivial amounts of the word of God that it's going to be effectual in our life? So that's what I'm talking. I want you to be, are you going to get it all? No. It's not the point. It's to get you to the place where, you, see, most of us have, have a, a matrix for our a rubrics or a matrix for our engaging with the Bible. Every one of us has one. You already have a set amount of what you think is a good amount for your reading. Some people, it's one verse. That's plenty. One verse twice a week sufficient what listening to scripture on Sunday at the church or in life class that ought to get it done others so others are like well I, you know I do once so I read I try to read twice a week two or three verses a week oh we got it's okay uh, you know what I mean you have an engagement and you've already determined what that your level of engagement what is acceptable or not acceptable does that make sense I have my level of engagement that I think is acceptable or unacceptable to get the job done what's the job we want done what well, if you want to renew your mind <clears throat> change your mind reform your mind how long did it take how much engagement do you have to have on the side of the world to get your mind in the condition it's in so you see what I'm saying there? And, and how much engagement do you think you're going to need in the things of the Spirit in order to renew your mind? Now, how many of you know when you go on a diet, <clears throat> a diet, a diet, gosh, <sighs> I know, it's terrible, I hear it, I can't change it, I'm powerless. When you go on a diet, you, if you want to lose weight, you have to go into a calorie deficit, don't you? And you have to take more extreme measures to get to a weight you want to be. But once you get to a weight you want to be, then you can maintain it, right? But you always have to watch it. So 
it takes more extreme measures to get it done. So what I'm telling you is sometimes renewing your mind may take some extreme measures. But when you start seeing the benefit of the extreme measure you start making, what happens is you realize how much of an agreement with death you were making over here with the world and with your flesh and how much what much more life brings. So if you make an agreement with death, just put back in the smoking thing. You make that agreement with death. What does the thief come to do? But what does God come to do? Okay, with that said, what avenue does Satan take in our life, body, soul, and spirit? What avenue does he use in order to bring, to forge the agreements with death? He uses our mind, and what, but what apparatus does he use? Your body. Your body. Because what does he not have? And how does he gain dominion in this planet? So where does he get his gratification? There you go. I was going to, gratification is not a word. <laughs> where does he get his gratification? I need sleep or something. Where does he get his gratification? Through your body. So that's exactly right. And so Satan gets, so how is, so Whenever we're smoking or drug addiction or, you know, our pornography or whatever this may be that we choose to do through our body, all we're doing is gratifying a demon. That's all you're doing. That sounds, it sounds gross, doesn't it? Because, yes, sir. Oh, absolutely. It's a gratification. Absolutely. 100%. Because that's another form of gratifying that demon to bring destruction. So if Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy, what apparatus does he use in your life, in your own self, and in the lives of those who are around you? He uses your body, which he engages through your mind which he traps with your will, and then he binds the whole thing up with addiction oftentimes, with those habits, and then it keeps you there. And then you can even hear a good message, like the Surgeon General will stand up this morning behind a pulpit, and he will tell you that sin is destructive to your health. And he'll write it in black and white letters that are huge, and he'll show you pictures of people with their teeth, with the, what sin does. You know what I mean? That's what ha- He'll show you all those things. And people will sit on pews, and they'll go, and they'll go right back out and do it. Because the agreement they've made with death is so strong. But if the agreement you've made with death is that strong, what if you could move your mind? What if you changed your strength and you changed your mind and you made an agreement with life? Well, over here, if you make an agreement with death and the thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You could make, through submitting yourself to the things of God, your will, your mind, and not being led around by your emotions. But your emotions are going to follow. But if you could connect the renewing of your mind to the things of the Spirit, which is a place of life and peace, then you would be able then to manifest life and life more abundantly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we harden our heart. What do we do? And harder. And that and that path. And that is the warning of going to church. But that shouldn't stop us from going to church. But see, still there, when we harden our heart against the voice of God, so many people are concerned about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That's what you're doing when you're doing that. When you harden your heart against the voice of God, it becomes easier and easier for you to push aside the voice of God. Because who's the one drawing you? Who's the one drawing you? No one. The Spirit's drawing you. When, when, the, when you're in a service and you're like being drawn, who's drawing you? No man can come to the Father unless the Spirit draw him. It's the Spirit who's drawing you. So when you hold your hand out and say, no, I don't want to, who are you denying? 
Who are you speaking against? No, just keep it in the component. You're con- the spirit. You're speaking against the spirit. And so if you, d- you speak against the spirit long enough by denying his drawing, pretty soon you no longer even feel the conviction. And so if right now, if you're sitting in a place to where you live and grow sin, you know, you know because sin is pretty well, but you don't feel any, you don't feel anything about it. That no longer bothers you. That's dangerous. That's dangerous because now you're like, you're moving into the arena of Pharaoh. Because Pharaoh's heart was so hardened that God no longer gave him the option to repent. And so he used his stubbornness that he had already chosen, and he was not going to give him an opportunity to repent, and he used his stubbornness as the basis for judgment against the entire nation of Egypt and to liberate the children of Israel. So, see, this is not something that that is just playtime. When we feel the Spirit of God tap on us, hey, I want, I want to deliver you from that demon so that you stop gratifying it. I'm not doing that. What will they think about me? I'm not going down to the altar. They won't look at me. Then you walk out and you go gratify your flesh more and you come back in another time and, you, and it's like, hey, why don't you stop gratifying that demon? It's like, That's it. And then you come in again, and you're sitting there in church, and you're like, oh, I guess I'm over it. It never even bothers me anymore. You see what I'm talking about? That's, see, that's, that's the reality of what's going on, because you're gratifying one or the other. You're, in, you're forming an agreement. Let me finish reading Romans 8. He, didn't, he did this so that just requ- the just requirement of the law be fully satisfied for us, okay, who, who, no longer, who no longer follow our sinful nature. He's assuming these people who you're talking to no longer follow their sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the... I'm going to have to do it again, y'all. Brian, don't look. Those who are dominated (laughs) by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Things. (laughs) But those who are controlled by the Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. How often do they please God? Never. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. That's the New Living Translation I read that from. Wow. It's, a seri- it's serious business. So it's not a suggestion that you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's do it. It's not a suggestion take a bath and use a large and use enough water to actually get clean. It's you're supposed to do it. So we're made like God, body, soul, and spirit. The body is formed from earth and must receive its life from the earth, food, drink, etc. Spirit is from God and must receive its life from God. God is a spirit. The words I speak to you, they are spirit and life. Where does the where does the soul receive It's nourishment from either or. It received from either or. The soul can be satisfied from the earthly things through the body, or the soul can be satisfied 
through heavenly things through the Spirit. And that is man in a nutshell. The Spirit should lead. The soul should submit. The Spirit, that's what I just read in Romans 8. The Spirit should lead. The soul should submit. The body is simply a slave. It does what it's told until it loses the capacity to do so. That's just the way it is. And what I come into agreement with will be an authority over <clears throat> my life. That's just it. And so when I'm talking about, when I'm talking about, I, I wanted to, I, I want to hit this really quick. I found these notes. This is from Kenneth Hagin. I thought it was great. What is a, what is a, um, a spirit? It's a disembodied, a fallen disembodied being that receives gratification. The levels that the spirit, the fallen spirits work in our life is they work to oppress. Oppress is the lo lowest form of spiritual interaction in your life. Oppress. Next level, obsess. You ever seen a person who starts obsessing over things? Obsession moves to a different realm, right? Just oppression is one thing, you're bothered. Obsess, you know. Yes, it go, you understand what obsession is. Then what moves past obsession? Possession. Oppress, obsess, possess. That's what that that's the that's the the degree of demonization in a person's life. A degree. And so what we understand is that those varying degrees, they are all varying degrees of influence in your life. And so we have Satan <clears throat> moving <clears throat> in the realm of our flesh through body experiences. But it's not that your body's bad, right? So your body's just a slave. It's your body's not bad. It's just how your mind, your soul, informs your body what to reach out for. You have the, your hands that have the capacity to reach out for death have the exact same capacity to raise to God. Right? Your, your body that has the capacity to join itself to a harlot has the same capacity to be covenanted with someone in life. Your same body that has the choice to eat Twinkies 24-7 has the same capacity to eat broccoli and wholesome food. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? That body will do whatever your soul tells it to do until you've abused it so much through your soul, it'll start losing the ability to... How many people here say that? My body is... Um, what's the word they use? Yeah, falling apart. They feel like I'm being, I'm being rejected by my body. You know, your body no longer because of what you've done to it for so many years. It starts to wear out. It's going to wear. You're in a general, hey, I'm going to tell you, I know, I know I'm probably speaking to everybody who understands this. You're in a general wearing out process anyway. Right. But you can choose to negate that and slow it down or hasten it by if you choose the things of life or not. And you see that all through the Bible. Even God told them, he gave them dietary laws. I got to quit here. But we'll talk more about this next week. Thank y'all.